Bienvenidos, I'm your host Lore, and this is Creepy Chisme. Warning, some stories and information on Creepy Chisme may be triggering and are not suitable for all, especially young children. Please listen with caution. Thank you. Hola mi gente, welcome back a otro episode of Creepy Chisme. I'm so excited to be recording. Um, I sound a little funny. Allergies kicked my ass this week. <laughs> I swear to God, this weekend was awful. Awful. And you know with COVID, like I, th- I thought I was dying. So Friday, got home from work. I want to say about 6 p.m. My throat like really started hurting. My ears felt clogged and started hurting my head was killing me but I get a headache every day at school so I didn't you know whatever so I went to bed you know that's what happens when you grow up you go to bed at 6 p.m on a Friday night so I woke up Saturday morning (laughs) and it was way worse I thought I was dying my head felt like it was triple in size my face was swollen everything everything but it was all in my head like it was all in my head area you know so I kept saying it's not COVID it's not COVID like you're okay so then I kept taking my temperature and it started going up it went from normal temp to I ended up like at 99.9 so I was just like okay maybe it might be COVID poor teachers like we that's all we think about is like oh I sneezed is it COVID I coughed is it COVID like (laughs) It's not funny, but it's true. So anyway, so yeah, I was like, no, it's not COVID. I know it's not COVID. But I went to the store, got some medicine. It helped a little, but I actually had to go to the urgent care on Sunday because I couldn't take, like, I thought I had strep because I couldn't swallow because my ears were so congested. So I'm a little stuffy still, but I got on some antibiotics, which sucks because I can't drink this week. (laughs) That shouldn't be my main, that should not be my main concern, but it is. (laughs) I don't drink all the time, okay guys? It's the fall. It's something about the fall. There is a spiced wine. (laughs) Oh, let me tell you. There is a spiced wine for all my vino lovers out there. It is called Witch's Brew. It comes in this cute orange black bottle. I love it so much. It's all I drink all fall. And you can also warm it up. Did you know that? You could warm up this wine and like all the spices come out. I don't like it. I only like, I just drink it like out of the bottle. Not even cool because it's like a red wine. Oh, it's so good. Highly recommend if you could find it. It's called Witch's Brew and it's like an orange bottle. But yeah, I mean the fall is a time to drink ciders and all that stuff. So I drink a lot in the fall. (laughs) But also I'm starting to think maybe it's like with teaching and stuff. You just drink a lot, period. So yeah, sorry for the funny voice, but I couldn't leave y'all hanging another week. But yeah, my allergies were so bad, and I ended up having a sinus infection if I didn't say that yet. But yeah, I'm on a whole bunch of medicine. He even gave me, the doctor gave me like an allergy medicine. Anyway, enough about my health history. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the weather's changing. Fall is upon us. It is changing my mood. But more than anything, I got to see my best friend this weekend. And his wife and their baby, little baby Sudi. She is so cute. And I think that just like 
change my mood a little because I was feeling a little down. And yeah, it was nice to spend time with them and I miss them a lot. They've been on the show before. <laughs> Not Sudi, but Joe and Goyce have been on the show a lot and I really miss them. So that... That was my weekend. How was yours? I hope you had a good weekend, better than mine. Hope you didn't get sick. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to say though, I did get tested for COVID just because of work. Um, I just wanted to make sure if I took a sick day, which I did, that I had proof that I didn't have COVID. Because that's the first thing they ask is, well, if you're sick, do you have COVID? So I showed them that I did not have COVID. Also didn't have flu or strep. <laughs> So hopefully in a couple of days I'll feel a lot better, but sorry guys, just a little stuffy, you know? Oh, and uh, my special guest is back tonight, the crickets! Yeah, the crickets are chirping. When do crickets stop chirping? Does anybody know? Is it all year round? Is it through the fall? Because uh, I love the sound of crickets, but not when you're trying to record a podcast. It really messes up the editing. I want to I wanna point this out, please, for the love of God. Jeebus, y'all. If you need a mental health day, please take a mental health day. And teachers, I'm talking to you more than anyone in the world because you are stressed. You are very stressed. So don't feel bad for taking a day. Take your freaking day, please. Your principal, administrator, they don't give a crap if you're there or not. Of course they care if you're not there because then they have to figure out who's going to be in your class, but it's not your problem. It's not your fault. <laughs> and coworkers, don't be mad at the person taking the day off. Everyone deserves a day off. My parents went to the orchard today, uh, of course, while I was back at work. And they bought apple cider. And it is the best apple cider. Nice and fresh. <laughs> it's so good. That's what I'm drinking right now because it is late. I would be drinking wine, but I'm on antibiotics. So <laughs> no thanks. I don't want to start hallucinating and seeing shit. Speaking of seeing shit, do you know what I saw on Twitter? And someone please tell me this is a joke. But I looked it up. You know me. I gotta look everything up. Is Dog the Bounty Hunter really jumping into this Gabby Petito case? Is this really happening? So I read that he's gonna help in the search for Brian Laundry. There's also a woman who has vowed to spend every day in front of the laundry home not on their property because she'll get arrested, but across the street, <laughs> across the street. And whenever they leave their home, she has an air horn and she just keeps beeping it at them. <laughs> Bless her soul. Bless her soul. Oh, and can somebody fact check this for me? Because I didn't have time to actually look into it. Well, one, somebody tell me if Dog the Bounty Hunter really is going to help find, <laughs> find this dude. And two... Can somebody tell me if it's true that this is true? Because you can't believe everything, like I told you guys, but I saw this on TikTok. They traced back a fake Gabby Petito account, and it ended up being, are you ready for this? <laughs> Brian Laundrie's mother. Is this true? Is it true? And the article said that she wanted people to leave them alone, so she posed as this to get them to try to leave them alone. Oh my god, what is wrong with people? Jesus. Anyway, another thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is my merch. Now, everyone got excited because I found this cool company that will print shirts for a decent price. And the shirts were really nice and I wore it uh, the first time. 
one time and it fit perfect you know it was nice and snug in all the right places and then I washed it and when I bought the shirt it said 100% cotton it is not it is not 100% cotton and this is why this is why I told you guys that I'm not selling them yet because I want to see how the shirt is if I like it all it took was one wash and the shit came out like a fucking crop top so now I have a creepy cheese crop top if anyone's interested <laughs> yeah so i definitely wrote a letter to that company and was like yo this is not cotton i don't know what it is and on the tag you do not say hang dry only because you definitely should so give me some time y'all i will try to get those shirts out hopefully like maybe around halloween so i'm gonna try two other places and if i like them and see how they wear um i'm also thinking of making myself a hoodie but if anybody wants a hoodie they're a little bit more expensive but it's fall it's hoodie season <laughs> so yeah I'll, I'll try to get working on that oh i know what i wanted to say so this gabby petito case this is the last thing i'm gonna say but it has sparked it has sparked a social media argument that people who are obsessed with true crime are crazy and shouldn't be retelling these stories shouldn't be prying into these people's personal lives and i agree i get it i understand i'm listening to their point of view i understand <laughs> but you you know i'm not gonna let that slide right so recently twitter was trending about this and i did not take screenshots of the tweets which i should have i just remember what i read and pretty much somebody was explaining why people who are so obsessed with true crime are obsessed with true crime. And I fit the description so well. So let me see if you guys do too. So the reason certain people are really interested in true crime is because one, we're deathly afraid of being kidnapped and murdered. And if any normal person isn't afraid of that, you know, something might be wrong. At least the thought crosses everyone's mind at least once in their life, right? True crime fans obsess over it because we really have anxiety over it. Like, we don't want to be kidnapped, don't want to be murdered by a famous serial killer. And when we hear cases such as Gabby Petito and the case I'm going to talk about today, they just... They plague our mind and with social media and the internet nowadays, it's easy for us to dive in and dig up everything we can and then we obsess over it and then it's like I'm putting the pieces together, I'm forming opinions and theories, I can solve it or I can help, right? If that describes you, then you're in the right place today. I have one of the uh, craziest cases now i do want to before i begin give a shout out to my instagram subscriber her name is alejandras she mentioned this person in one of my comments on a past picture and um i never forget because the second she said hedgepath i was just like oh my god that is a great case it is a great case. So yes, today we're going to talk about Faith Hedgepeth. But before I get into the story, you guys, this is my 50th episode. 50. Yes. 
I never forget we were at a family function and my podcast comes up all the time. Those that listen to it, they bring it up and then they start talking about it and everyone's like, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And I never, I never forget my cousin, Tommy, he was like, you have a podcast? And I was like, yeah, I do. And then he was like, cool, what's it called? And so I told him and uh, he started looking it up and I was telling someone about it. And then he was like, holy shit, like I had like 35 episodes or something. <laughs> and we are at 50! Woo! <laughs> that is super crazy, guys. But like I always say, I appreciate you guys so much. Those of you that listen, as soon as an episode comes out, I see you every time you guys listen. And that is, ugh. And please keep the fan letters coming in. The email is creepyteasmithforyou at gmail.com. Don't forget that. I love reading your emails. It's really hard to talk when my nose keeps getting stuffy. (laughs) But your girl is going to make it through because I need to tell you about this case. Now, I have slowly been working on this, this outline for this episode for many months. Uh, Probably since the beginning, actually, because this case is a true crime fanatic. Like, you just know this. You know this. And if you don't know this case yet, you about to know, okay? Yeah, the case of Faith Hedgepeth. Um, like I said, you just, you don't forget this. Um, and I kind of rushed the research a little bit because there has been a huge break in this case. Oh yeah. And I was like, what better than for my 50th episode, you know? So yes, let's get right into it. So this is a tragic and brutal, brutal, you guys, brutal murder story of an indigenous woman who was a member of the, please forgive me, (laughs) the Haliwa Saponi tribal community in Warren County. Now, I first heard about this case a while back. I think when I first became really obsessed with true crime, so like around the 2014 year. Now, this case horrified me. Horrified. And also was one of the first cases that I really fell into a rabbit hole, I guess you could say. And again, I was like, I need to solve this because it's driving me crazy. And the poor girl's family, they needed justice. So I would search on it and check updates, but slowly this case sort of went cold and silent, um, even after very specific clues were left at the scene of the crime. Yes, and I will get into that. But like I said... That is all until recently, which is why I'm bringing this up. They may have found the suspect in the murder of Faith Hedgepeth. And they had evidence enough to make an arrest. But before we get into that, let's start talking about Faith. So Faith grew up in Hollister, North Carolina, and was the beloved daughter to Roland and Connie Hedgepeth. She had an older sister. Her name was Rolanda, and she was 18 when Faith was born. So that's a pretty big age gap, 18 years. So uh, Rolanda was more of like a second mom to Faith rather than a sister. Faith was a junior, I believe, at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Her dream was to become a pediatrician and she wanted to return and work for her small community. Now back in September of 2012, 
on September 6th, she had a full day of classes, followed by doing some work for a sorority she was rushing for. She later met her roommate, Karena Rosario, at the library. Now, Karena was Faith's best friend, not just her roommate. And they had had a project that they were working on for school. So after the library, they went home, they got dressed, and they were going to head out for the night. You know, college life, you know? They were going to go hang out at a local bar known as The Thrill. Now, in college towns or campuses, most everything is in walking distance, right? So most students walked everywhere, especially knowing that they were going to be out drinking. So here's where things get a little complicated. So in the early mornings of September 7th, so the next morning, her roommate Karina, Karina, her name is spelled Karina, by the way, <laughs> but it's Karina. Her roommate Karina and Faith go back home. Now around 3.30 a.m., some strange text messages go out from the girls. Or they come in as well. And some phone calls are also made in this time period. One specific text sent by Faith to a male friend said, quote, Hey B, can you come over here please? Karina needs you more. Uh-huh. It really said that. It's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and it says, you know, please let her know you care. End quote. Now at this point, Karina claims she left Faith at home in the apartment asleep and left with another student around 4.25 a.m. However, she does say that she did not, yes, I said she did not lock the door. <sighs> I have some a few choice words about this roommate, but we'll get there when we get there. But yeah, she didn't lock the door. So the next morning, when Karina finally shows up with her friend Marisol, it's about 11 a.m. So, yeah, when they walk into the apartment, she finds the most awful and brutal scene I've ever, ever heard of. She found Faith laid out in the bed, naked from the waist down, with her black t-shirt pulled over her face and covering her head everything everything was covered in blood blood was everywhere on the walls on all of the stuff in the bedroom something i never understood with this case is how someone walked out covered in blood if the room was that covered in blood and nobody saw them and not just that like no footprints nothing at least that we know of just a thought just a thought with this case one of the many thoughts <laughs> of this case as you'll see as we go on now of course Karina Rosario immediately dials 911 which I'll go more into detail on and when police arrive they treat the scene as a homicide investigation obviously right somebody beat the crap out of this poor girl and well we'll find out later let me I'm getting I'm getting excited because this makes me so angry, the way this person was, this beautiful little person was killed. Now immediately, they can tell that she may have been sexually assaulted. But in the autopsy report, it does not state that she was. It says that the victim could have been or that she participated in sexual acts before the murder. Now, of course, police questioned Karina Rosario 
as well as Faith's ex-boyfriends almost immediately. Now, the reason this case baffles the minds of so many true crime fans is because you would not believe the amount of evidence police collect from this murder. So much evidence that it's almost impossible that someone has never been charged with this murder. Police, I mean, they talked to hundreds of people that could have been involved. Hundreds, y'all. Hundreds. Including her best friend, who, by the way, guys, Karina goes completely silent after she's questioned by police a few times. She just goes dead silent. Which leads many people to believe that she knew something or was guilty of something. Now, I'm sorry, but if my best friend was murdered, you bet your ass that I would do anything in my power to help figure out who did it. Even if that something was to be questioned a thousand times by police. So let's talk evidence. Now, there is a lot, like I said. And I'll go through some because most of this evidence led to absolutely nothing. At first, police didn't release much about the scene until years later, so keep that in mind. Now, the first big piece of evidence, which eventually leads to today's suspect in custody, was a DNA sample. Remember I said she may have been sexually assaulted? So they were able to obtain a sample from the suspect, but not just that. Around the apartment, they also collected more of the same type of DNA too, which is why they at first assumed the suspect had to have been familiar with the apartment or at least comfortable enough to be in it and like touch things. And I think like somebody used a sink in the bathrooms, touch stuff in the kitchen. So that's why police were so quick to question her roommate, her ex-boyfriends and friends because the person who killed Faith did it out of pure hate for this person. So it was personal. Because at this point, they also had figured out that Faith had been beaten to death by blunt force trauma. So in the bedroom, they found a empty rum bottle that they suspect was the murder weapon. It came from the kitchen in the apartment, and that bottle contained tissue fragments and DNA on it. So near Faith's body, there was a white takeout bag, like, you know, when you go out to eat and then you put your food in a bag. There was a white takeout bag, and on the bag, with a pen, somebody wrote, I'm not stupid, bitch, jealous. And the way it's written, I'll post a photo on my Instagram. Nobody really knows if it's like a sentence, like, I'm not stupid, bitch, jealous. Or maybe it says... I'm not stupid, bitch, jealous. You know, you could read it so many ways, you know? <laughs> I mean, you could even scramble it up and maybe it says, stupid bitch, I'm not jealous. You know, maybe it does say that. I don't know. So I'll post it, you guys decide what it says. But remember, this entire room, okay, is covered in blood. The bed, the walls, everything, okay? This white, white, blanco, <laughs> Blanco, sorry. Takeout bag is completely clean and, and it's just laid right next to her body. So somebody put it there. Now someone I need to mention is Eric. Eric with a Q. Joan. Yeah, he spells his name with a Q. <laughs> now he is Karina's ex-boyfriend. Well, let me explain why police kept looking at him for a while. Well, first off, he and Faith, they didn't get along at all. She hated him. 
which I hate all my best friend's exes too, so I get it. Anyway, yeah, uh, this guy, he had a history of domestic violence and mistreating women. So he had been trying to weasel his way back to Karina, but Faith was like, oh hell no, not after all the therapy I had to give her. You know, typical best friend stuff. That literally is me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why girls always go back to their dumb exes. Anyway, so Faith had actually taken Karina to get a restraining order against him so that he, he would leave her alone. Now, the reason police were so stuck on this person was because he had actually threatened Faith before during arguments. Like, he threatened her life. But not just that. The night before the murder, Eric, with a Q, texted a friend asking for forgiveness for what he was about to do. That same night, he also posted that same message on Twitter. Then a few days later, on Facebook, he changed his Facebook banner to read, quote, Dear Lord, forgive me for all of my sins and the sins I may commit today. Protect me from the girls who won't deserve me and the ones who wish me dead today. End quote. Now, all this was just way too coincidental. And police were like, oh, he's our guy. Like, this is the guy we need to look at. So I can see why they were so stuck on him. Now, I could just be making this up. But from the documentary I watched a long time ago, I remember they said that this Eric with Q guy lived in the same apartment complex, like really nearby. So, but I couldn't find that anywhere anymore while I was researching recently so I'm not sure if that's true because I think that was another reason they kept looking at him as well. So yeah I agree with police he has guilty all over his face. Now of course just get his DNA sample and boom you got him right? Well Mr. Eric with a Q was like now I'm not giving you shit because he's pissed that they won't leave him alone so shoo <laughs> well mr eric with the Q was like nah i'm not giving you shit boy i assume that that's how he sounded because dude is a total fuck boy you know do people still say that do people still <laughs> fuck boy whatever that was <laughs> whatever this is 2012 okay so yeah um, <laughs> did they say that in 2012? Oh, well. <laughs> but yeah, he's a total tool. But eventually, police do get him to comply. And ladies and gentlemen, it matched and the case was over. Just kidding. Nope. Not that easy, y'all. Nope. Not that easy, y'all. It didn't match and Mr. Eric with a Q was free. They let him go. Yep, because the DNA didn't match. So he's still a butthole though for his past. So then police start testing as many men as they could that hung out at Thrill the night of the murder. And again, no matches. So they search the criminal database and again, no matches. So they assume that whoever did this had a clean record. Like this could have been their first, first crime. I need to go back and talk about the 911 call made by Karina Rosario, who was her roommate and... Faith's best friend. Dara, nine one one. Where is your emergency? I um, I just walked into my apartment and my friend just like, he's unconscious. He's unconscious. I just walked in 
warm? No, she's so cold. She feels cold? Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Don't touch anything else, okay? So that's just a little bit of how Karina sounded on the 911 call. Again, I'm not going to judge because everyone deals differently with trauma. She probably was in shock. I mean, the room was a disaster. A bloodbath. Um, so I... Mm, okay, I wanted to play you more of that call, but let me just explain it. Okay, so the first thing wrong with this call was that Karina leaves out the fact that her friend Marisol is with her. Because if you notice in the beginning, she says, I walked into my apartment. Now a neighbor, she saw the two girls. She saw Marisol and Karina. They were out chilling on the stairs. And she said that they seemed in very good spirits, almost joyful. It wasn't until later when she found out what actually happened in that apartment that she started to question if the girls had something to do with it because of the way they were acting. Now again, I've said in past episodes, everybody deals with trauma differently. But after hearing the call, the full call, you can find it on YouTube, I don't know if she should be happily laughing with her friend when her best friend is murdered the way she was in the apartment. Now another thing was when the dispatcher asked her to check Faith's pulse later in the call. Karina says no, that she didn't want to touch her. She did later mention that, um, she mentions early that she's cold to the touch, and so they told her to just leave her alone, so maybe that's why she said that, but also something odd with the 911 call is Karina keeps making an effort to mention that it looks like someone came into the home. Like, she really wants them to know that someone was in here. My things are moved. Something's in my room that wasn't here before. Like, she says all this to the dispatcher. Remember, the rum bottle used to be in the kitchen, was now in the room. So she's making a, a point to mention these little things that the dispatcher doesn't really give a shit about. She then, the next problem I have with the 911 call is she doesn't really ask for help. She just keeps saying, it's unbelievable, like, what has happened. I can't believe this happened. And again, it could all be because she's in complete shock. I get it, but it's just something to mention, you know? But this 911 call is why so many people doubt Karina as not having something to do with this. And I'm telling you, people have so many theories on this case. A lot of people point the finger at the roommate. So later, another key piece of evidence, but also not really, I'll explain, comes out. A friend received a call from Faith at about 1.23 a.m. and she left a voicemail that can barely be heard. It's like a lot of, a lot of people talking, which given the timeline, they would have been at the club or the bar. It wasn't a club, sorry. However, people have studied this call so hard that they can hear some of what's going on. So what you hear is some girls fighting or arguing, and somebody say, ow, get off me, ow. Now Faith's dad has come out to say that that is Faith saying that, the ow, get off me, ow. He's 100% sure that that is his daughter. And then you hear a male voice. But if this call is that of the actual murder, it's the wrong time because they do have Karina and Faith leaving the bar calmly together after that timestamp. 
So they think it may have been a fight at the bar with either each other or other people. But again, this piece of evidence doesn't really help much other than to leave people to speculate more. And you see why true... <laughs> you see why true crime fans are obsessed with this case. So much evidence, but a lot of it takes you nowhere. So some other evidence worth mentioning was that in the autopsy, it stated that the... It stated that not only did she have blunt force trauma to the head, but she also had a lot of cuts and bruises on her arms and legs. She also had blood under her nails. So there's more things that were taken into evidence, but these were the things I felt were important to mention and things that can help solve this case. At least I think. <laughs> However, after this info came out in 2014, when police started revealing details on the case, which was already two years later, the case always remained open, yet no more details really came out about it. And it started to get cold. The case went cold. Now, in 2016, police released a composite sketch that they computer-generated of what the killer may have looked like. So they used the DNA evidence collected from the scene. The DNA phenotyping... Is that what it's called? Phenotyping? The DNA phenotyping shows that the man is likely to be Latino with dark olive to light olive skin tone, brown or hazel eyes, and dark black hair. So they release a sketch and they're like, anybody know someone that looks like this? And it's such a generic sketch. <laughs> it looks like two of my cousins, two guys from school. Yeah. Not very good. So since 2014, there have been many interviews with Faye's family and documentaries on the case and podcasts galore, including my favorite channel, the ID channel, made a special on the case. Her family made sure to keep her memory alive so that people would not forget. And it paid off because this unsolved case that has plagued my mind has finally someone in custody. Now, I'm a firm believer in innocent until proven guilty, but they have this dude booked without bail. So this only means they have good and clear evidence to convict him to have him in jail without bail. Now, recently, a man by the name of Miguel Olivares has been taken into custody. On September 3rd, he was pulled over for a DWI. He had a blood alcohol level of two times the limit. So the, they uh, temporarily revoked his license and he was set to appear in court on September 7th. And guess what? Mr. Olivares didn't show up. So later they ended up uh, arresting him and somehow, and this is where I'm a little confused because, again, all police have said is they arrested this dude. He was, um, they put out the DWI information. He also had some minor violations. And that's it. They don't say how they got his DNA. I mean, they don't take your DNA if you're booked, do they? I know they do fingerprints, but I don't know. But somehow they got his DNA. And there's a bunch of different theories on this I read <laughs> on Reddit. And this was just like a few weeks ago, so they already started. I'm telling you, people have been invested in this case for years. But they ended up figuring out that his DNA matched 
that of the DNA in the Faith Hedgepeth case. So, wow, yeah, he's pretty messed up because DNA, you can't really argue against DNA. <laughs> so even if he didn't do it, his DNA matches and, well, you're done. So yeah, he's been booked on first-degree murder, but also this DWI stuff too, so no bail allowed for him. Now, that's really all they've said, like I said, and I can't wait. I cannot wait to finally have the answers for Faith's family because they deserve to hear what was his motive, you know? This young girl who had a bright future ahead of her, this person just, I don't, because as of right now, like her friends, her family, they're just like, who is he? Like, seriously? This nobody walked into the apartment and did this? I mean, just hearing the evidence and seeing how brutal of a murder scene it was, I still think it was personal. I really do. So yes, this Miguel Olivares may have been there, allegedly, but I don't think he did it alone. And I'm not the only one to say that. So honestly, I would be completely shocked if he did it alone. So those are the things that I want to know. Like, how did he know Faith? Did he really just get lucky enough to open a door and have a young girl be in there by herself? Like, I, I really don't think that was the case. Did he know someone who knew Faith? I mean... Is he going to come out and say, yeah, I did it and this is how I did it? Because, you know, that happens sometimes for real. It really does. And tell everybody, finally, nine years later, tell them what happened and why he did it. I truly hope he speaks out. But wow. Yeah, it's, it's the start of hopefully the end of this horrendous, brutal murder. I hope her family can have peace. And it took a very long time. But ladies and gentlemen, let's not forget that indigenous women all over the country do not get attention. And I am telling you, cases just like this that remain unsolved, the number is insane. Insane. I was just reading in one specific county, I believe near Colorado, over 700 indigenous women are either missing, murdered, unsolved cases, raped, assaulted. That is insane. And social media, we need to do better. We need to do better and help by speaking more on these cases. I mean, look at this Hedgepeth case. Nine years, her parents, it took nine years, her parents had to keep speaking up, speaking up and doing interviews and telling their nightmare over and over and over and it may have finally paid off so social media please don't stop talking about this don't let people make us feel bad for wanting to research and study this and speak on it don't let people shut you down now something i do want to mention is that Faith's family started a memorial scholarship fund to help indigenous women from a North Carolina tribe earn higher education. So I think that's really wonderful. Now remember, this case is far from over. I think in the next year or two or three, we will hear a lot more info leading up to hopefully the end of this case. And like I said, 
I wouldn't be surprised if more people are involved. But yeah, I just wanted to share that case with you guys. I just, I'm glad that if you've never heard this case, you get to hear it with a sort of closed ending. Because imagine hearing this case and with all the evidence police collected, they have no leads, no answers. I mean, she lived in an apartment complex in a college campus. Somebody had to have seen something. And don't even get me started on Miss Karina Rosario, who shut down and didn't help anymore with the case. When this is supposed to be your best friend. <sighs> so yeah, I hope to hear more from Karina. In the media, we recently heard with um we recently heard from Eric with a Q came out and pretty much said like that he's so emotional, that he knew he was innocent, and, you know, he wishes that police would apologize to him, but he knows it's not gonna happen. Well, dude, you know, they're just doing their job for once. <laughs> just doing their job. And dude was acting hella guilty, so, <laughs> I mean, I don't feel bad about it. Well, been a while since i've done a long one like this by myself it's been a crazy day so thank you for tuning in today don't forget to tell someone you love that you love them because no one is truly safe in this world live for today not for tomorrow y'all and if <laughs> not for tomorrow if that even makes any sense Remember to please leave me a review if you enjoyed Creepy Chisme and share this episode with a true crime lover like me. The more we spread the word, the more people can possibly help. Don't forget, you can always find me on social media at Creepy Chisme, Facebook groups, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Go to my Instagram and give me a like. I always try to post pictures of the cases that I talk about and if you're like me and you need to see the people I'm talking about, it really helps when I'm listening to a podcast. I don't know, maybe that's weird. <laughs> but if you know, then you know. Don't forget to tune in Friday for Freaky Friday. And remember, share your stories and feedback with me on any of my social media or email, especially on Apple Podcast. Hit that five-star rating and leave me a review, please. I love reading them. And it gets more people to want to listen. You can always email me at you. That's the number 4-Y-O-U at gmail.com. I'm spent, y'all. I haven't done this in a long time. Gracias por escuchar. Y nos vemos pronto. Creepy Chisme is created for entertainment purposes only. Thank you for listening, and don't forget, stay creepy!